Hey, what's up, Ecosystem? Welcome back to ATI. It is Wednesday. It is noon. Central Time. Live Carrier Advice with Brian Riker, your DOT guy, where we're taking questions. Jump in the live chat, say hello, ask a question. Um, go ahead and uh, hopefully Ty shows up and here's his phone number in case he's not here in the live chat. You can text him or call him. Um, go ahead and yeah, jump in and let's jump in with Brian. Brian, what's happening? What's going on, man? Oh, another day in paradise. It's actually yeah. not been a bad week. No, it hasn't. Okay, good. Well, it's going to be hot. I think the UK is setting heat records, and I realize that's not for everybody, but um, yes. just wait your turn, right? <laughs> Man. Oh, well, I'm uh, I'm in central Indiana right now, and it says 104 on the dashboard. We know that's not completely accurate, but it is warm, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that's pretty crazy stuff. So uh let's do this i'm gonna share the screen um kicking it off again this is live carrier advice um this is our wednesday show pretty much bi-monthly we're going every other week and um and you know we want people to jump in with questions startup questions i was sharing on well on last night's show last night's show was carrier business software we had a really interesting show last night actually um four people on the panel that are developing software, which means we haven't got it all figured out yet. Mm -hmm. But software I was talking is key. Software is key. Well, I was talking about how you know, like I th I think this post is pretty amazing. It's on Hotshot Trucking, and it's a picture of a guy's truck, and he mm -hmm. says, tells us the truck ready to get started. Tell me the best ways. Now, <laughs> I'm not trying to sound. Uh, and thank you, Sergio. Sergio says hello, says good show. Thank you so much. I I can't seem to verbalize what it is I'm trying to say here other than it caught my eye and it's I'm trying to think of other industries. Like how about how about on Indeed a guy posts a picture of of him in a briefcase and says, I'm ready. <laughs> what, what, what I know what like? you're Right? I know what you're trying to say, Jay. And no, we're not trying to pick on anybody. But there seems to be a misconception about transportation. I'm starting to get a lot of phone calls about starting a brokerage now that the trucking rates are down. Uh, but there seems to be a misconception about transportation that it requires no skill, no business knowledge, and the work is plentiful. And so what I think... The folks that make posts like the one that you just highlighted i think they're trying to say i have a truck how do i get to work what do i do well just because you have the pickup truck and i hope you didn't go out and buy the pickup truck with the intention of starting a hot shop business before you did any of your other homework if you already have the truck and you're asking how can i make money with this truck i already have because i had it for something else that's a great way to open that conversation absolutely but if you buy the truck and then try to figure out what you need to know about getting work for it, well, you have literally put the uh, cart before the horse and uh, you're in trouble. The, this industry isn't something you can just jump into over the weekend and start hauling. Well, you can, but if you want to be legal, compliant, not have the DOT knocking at your door and not getting shut down, well, you can't. Well, and that's where... <laughs> Thank you, Brian. You said it much better than I could. Um, so we'll keep going. 
Um, but th so this this was a video we had Brian of DD two fourteen trucking who made this video. He was on ATI. I don't know two or three weeks ago. Hot shotters dropping like flies. Well said. I want to ask you to to actually confirmation bias. For example, I'll say this: We talked to a guy. He thought he thought he saw a database of fifteen thousand carriers in twenty nineteen, and now that fifteen is down to nine. What do you think number-wise is happening? Well, I don't know where that 15,000 came I'm from. I'm with you. I understand. Uh, it might have been a filtered list down to a specific type of carrier. But I know FMCSA's own data says that in the first quarter of 2020, there were almost 10,000 uh, motor carrier authorities that were revoked, either voluntary or involuntary. Now, some of those came back because it was just a lapse in insurance that caused a revocation until new insurance papers were filed, but the majority of them did not. So we went from a peak of forty to 60,000 new motor carriers applying in a year. I believe uh, the number for 2021 was 60,000 brand new motor carriers to 9,000 failing in the first quarter of 2023. Uh, or 2022, I'm sorry, I'm getting a year ahead of myself. Um, that tells me that the market is adjusting. That tells me that some folks entered the market without a clear business plan or being undercapitalized. And, and believe me, I understand that. I started my first trucking company on a wing and a prayer with an old truck and no money to get going. If anything broke in the first month, I was in trouble. And I'm not advising anybody do it that way. So what I see uh, is a market correction with carriers dropping off, choosing to go back to work as company drivers because the company driver rates were through the roof a couple of months ago. Uh, you, you could make more money driving for somebody else than owning the truck in a lot of cases. But I see as the freight dries up and the spot market is not the place to be, the loads are coming off the board and the stuff that's left on the board are low paying loads. I see people that didn't build a business plan and get their own direct shippers struggling to make ends meet and they're the ones that are failing. So if your entire business model was based off of central dispatch or uh, rat or one of the load boards, and you don't actually have direct contracts with shippers for the majority of your work, you're going to be struggling right now. And, and I feel for you, and I'll help you in any way I can, but it's probably too late to go make that direct shipper relationship right now as freight availability of all kinds, cars, general freight, hot shop pipe, and oil field supplies, as it all contracts, probably too late to go make that connection. Well, and building a, a direct relationship is hard, uh, especially with new technologies always being um, delivered, introduced. I know that, you know, you'll find large businesses nationwide would rather adopt a technology than work with a specific company or small group. So you've got that challenge, too. But what's happening with company drivers? And for companies that... <laughs> I, it seems to me one of the problems is... Large businesses, large business owners with assets and equipment, are they fighting for the same limited company driver pool that's out there? 
right? Yes, yes, they are. And the large asset-based carriers can sweeten the deal and offer things that the small fleet, the one to five or even the 20 to 100 truck fleet can't. Now, there's also things that the small fleet can offer that the big fleets never will, such as autonomy or independence uh, and, and trucks that don't have all the nanny babysitter stuff on them. But when it comes down to dollar for dollar, your big fleets have deeper pockets because they're happy making a three to five percent return where the small fleet owner or the independent is not. You're going to starve on a three to five percent margin. So we're all competing for the same shrinking pool of competent drivers. There's plenty of drivers out there. They, we create four or 500,000 brand new class A CDL holders a year in the United States alone. So there's only three and a half million to 4 million CDL jobs, depending upon which resource you use to check that out. We create plenty of jobs but we don't create quality drivers. So we're all competing for the same core group of quality drivers. And that's where the bigger companies have the advantage because they can offer them things we can't. We should, uh, I think this is a topic worth exploring a little bit more in some future shows. And because you've got, I mean, you, you just raised an interesting statistic. It's not a shortage of possible drivers. It's a shortage of, High-quality drivers. Whatever high-quality is. So, here's a show idea. What is a high-quality driver? Right? Sure. What makes sure. a high-quality driver? That should be a show. And, and then, who are the companies looking for high-quality drivers? Right. And that's what you as a driver, or even you as a small fleet or one-truck owner-operator, need to understand. And that's how you'll need to differentiate yourself from others is what makes you desirable either as an owner operator that we're going to want to use if we're a broker or leasing on to a carrier or if you're looking for a employee employer relationship what makes you desirable to that employer is just as important as what makes that employer desirable to you let me expand upon that number for a second we do have a lot of people that leave this industry just as fast as they get into it too Unfortunately, depending upon which source you go with, uh, it is a six to eight month churn that most of those new CDL holders give up on trucking and walk away from it altogether after spending all that time, money and effort to earn the license. And before they've even really become competent at being a truck driver, they've been burned out from being mistreated and they leave the industry. So we have a constant churn of drivers, but I still do not believe that there is a shortage of drivers to the point that it calls for government making CDLs easier to obtain or bringing in foreign nationals to drive in the United States or anything like that. We're not at that level yet. Well, and then, so there's the follow-up show. What is a good company? What does mm -hmm. a good company do to retain high-quality drivers? And, and these are key issues right now that are addressed differently depending upon your segment but they're also some companies have their head in the sand and they're they're not addressing them at all they just don't understand why drivers keep churning and 
Some of it could be just how management interacts with you. It's not always about money. Recognition goes a very long way in keeping somebody happy. Or even listen to your drivers about what they like or don't like about the particular equipment that you operate and make adjustments. What I think is really hard here is, because we were talking about this last night too, is that what we're doing on ATI is we're, we're going ahead and riding the third rail. Like, I don't want to hear what companies want to hear when I ask what makes a good company. I want to hear what drivers think, right? Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the coin, I want to hear what a company wants in a high-quality driver so that folks that aren't high-quality drivers but think they're amazing hear <laughs> a little bit of truth. We all need a little bit of truth now and then, even if it's hard to come by. Correct. Um, all right, cool. So that's some interesting ideas. Really like that. That was good stuff. Um, this was talked about. I really like this. This is a frame from a video. And I think this Ruben, Ruben, the car hauler made this frame. I believe I really like this. I think that there should be more numbers associated with objects and loads on a regular basis. And these numbers sure. change, just like the stock market. You know, you know, you don't you don't see stockbrokers sitting around and the numbers never change. They change based on what's happening. Mm-hmm. And in this shot, um, what happens if what happens if one of those cars cancels? What does it do to the other numbers? Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things. You get there and you find out that the vehicle isn't as it was uh listed and it's not going to fit or it's going to take up a spot and a half on your truck and or they've loaded it down with personal belongings and now you're losing weight capacity or demand demand to move pickup trucks in some parts of the country is higher than others so it should pay more demand pricing we pay it with with tolls anyone that runs the northeast understands that We have off-peak hours with New York City tolls that are significantly cheaper than peak travel hours. Back when we used to pay per minute on our cell phones, your time of day was different. I remember waiting until after 7 p.m. to make a call with my cell phone because the minutes were free. Why should our business be any different? We pay it every day with our fuel prices. Energy demand adjusts our price for fuel for electricity for our home for the air conditioning for the whole nine yards why should this be any different it's interesting stuff and then and then there's this um this is an actual i i fuzzed out the company because i have a heart um but i don't know if they do for post i mean come on man is this reasonable what is that 30 cents a mile 30 cents a mile. I know it goes 4,000 miles, but still, in today's market? Mm, no, that's not reasonable. No, because what's the shipper paying? Let's let's go ahead and play this little game. What's the shipper paying? Shipper's paying a lot more than 30 cents a mile, and this yeah. broker's hoping that somebody's going to have an open spot on their, or two on their, on their vehicle, and they're going to take it for, quote, fuel money, 
which I have a fundamental problem with, just like I have a problem with backhaul, headhaul rates, because everybody's backhaul is somebody else's headhaul lane. And for those of you that are new to this and learning the industry, headhaul is your primary lane leaving your home area going out, the lane you run all the time. And a backhaul is a load that will get you back home to your regular area to start over. But why should they pay different? Why should I give you a significant discount just to move my truck back home versus coming home empty? That lane has a value. Now, some lanes have a higher value than others because there's more capacity on that lane. So there's more trucks than there are loads or more loads than there are trucks. But where I am physically based out of should not affect the rate you offer me or the rate I accept one bit and when we stop playing that backhaul game everybody's rate becomes a headhaul rate and the whole industry does better so stuff like this i feel sorry for whoever took it because uh uh they're not doing themselves a favor and they're definitely not doing the industry a favor you do not want to come in and be the guy hauling cheap freight it drives the whole industry down see that's this is why Okay, this came through on a driver's app, which helps understand that if you force a driver to use your app, now you can feed them this kind of stuff, which is mm-hmm. they're more inclined to maybe take. And by the way, I don't believe that this is a one-time help me out. This is a business strategy. And the business strategy is we're keeping half. Mm-hmm. And the way they're really hurting the industry, the shippers don't know what that the carrier only got half. So when right. the carrier's mad or barely still in business when they deliver, the shipper doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's right. It it really well, bothers me. What and if I want to say this too, what really bothers me about this too is that nobody else is going to talk about this because they don't want to upset the company that posted this. And I'm seeing Correct. more and more. I got an email, I got a YouTube comment this morning about this same company and how somebody interacting with them had had it and went off on my YouTube comments. So is this bro? Is this company a broker? Or some like, other form of intermediary. They're getting bigger and bigger all the time. They're a big broker. Okay. And they are um, just, man, they're adding wings to buildings on the backs of carriers. And well, nobody's going to talk about it. Here's the thing, and I have mixed feelings on this. We have legislation in place or regulation in place right now that should help combat this. But the brokers currently can make it very difficult for us. As a party to this transaction, whether I'm the carrier or the shipper, I have a legal right to see with full transparency exactly what the broker charged and exactly what the uh, carrier was paid. And so as a carrier, I can see the margin that the broker makes on this. As a shipper, I can see the margin that the broker makes on this. But nobody asks for these records. And when they do, the carrier has the right, the, the broker has the right to make you come to their principal place of business to view them instead of giving them to you electronically. And so they make it impossible because now you may be based in 
New Hampshire, but have to travel to Arizona or Atlanta, Georgia to see these records. And the same thing for your shipper. And it allows the broker to make whatever spread they want unchecked. Now, where I have mixed feelings on that is the modern brokerage does a lot more than just hand off a load to a motor carrier. And so there may be some value added services in there that aren't actually part of the line haul rate that would skew that number and make their spread look bigger than it is. But there needs to be a happy medium where we can see what the actual line haul portion of the rates to the shipper are versus what they're paid to the carrier so that you can know what type of money that is being made off of you and if it's reasonable or not. And I'm not saying that all brokers do this. I know a lot of brokers that work on a 10, 15% margin, which is a reasonable profit margin. I don't want to hear that they sit in their laptop in their pajamas all day and they should only make a couple dollars on a load. We're in business. If you can't make 15%, get out of business. That's the joke. Nobody's saying brokers only deserve five bucks a load. Right. Nobody's saying that. But even like, that's how bad it's gotten. Kiri's like, well, I don't mind if I get 75% and the broker gets 25%. Yeah, I, I'm not going to dispute that, but the reason I, I, you wouldn't mind is because you're tired of only getting half. Yeah, well, I, I really don't care how much the broker keeps as long as I get a rate that meets my target, totally. cost of operation plus markup. And, you know, um, totally. Now, the way we as carriers can fight this, or even as shippers, you get a good idea what the lane actually pays, and you shop it around. So as a carrier... Make inquiries once in a while. It's like price shopping when Walmart sends a secret shopper into the Target to see what they're selling stuff for. You do the same concept and see what cars are moving for, and then you'll have a good idea just how off the rate is or how much of a spread that that broker has, and you can counter. The problem is we don't have enough capital as the average small fleet or individual owner-operator to say no we have to take that or we're not going to make our insurance payment that's due in three days. And the brokers know that and it leaves the carrier in the short spot. And and, and again, I don't want to hear someone's going to say, well, you're always picking on brokers. Hey, I pick on everybody that, you know. There, there are a lot of really good brokers out there. Carriers, dealers. I'll bag on everybody equally. Yes, mm-hmm. there are good brokers, and brokers do serve a purpose. That's another thing that I say. Brokers serve a purpose. But that purpose yes. doesn't allow them to keep half the money all the time and act like, oh, come on, bro, do me a favor, get me, hit me no. up on this one. This is just, this is garbage. Yeah, that, that's a ridiculous, insulting ridiculous. rate for that lane. And it's, and... I see it all the time. Oh, yeah, and that's where I have the problem. Now... If that, maybe this broker, I'm not, we're going to play devil's advocate. Maybe this broker is a horrible business and that only allows them a 15% spread because they have ridiculously high overhead. They give Uh 60 or 90 day terms. They do have very high overhead because they got a list of executives to pay for. Yeah. And and maybe, maybe they give 60 or 90 day terms to their shipper customers and they're 
offering 10 day or I see it says quick pay available, which of course comes at a fee, but that money has a cost. It costs them money to do that. Maybe they have a lot of uncollectible accounts. I don't know. I don't actually know who this particular one is and I don't care, but it may be that they're so poorly managed that that is all they can actually afford to pay on that. And, and, <laughs> on and, that. And, and I, I happen to know that's not the case. They're not no, poorly managed. I, yeah. I will say I worked for as a carrier directly for a very large auto auction that had two layers of middlemen in between us and their actual customers for transportation all wanting a piece of the pie and at the end of the day it left very little money for all of us and it was a joke and they were two completely unnecessary levels of middle management at the time well yeah so exactly so the guy that hauled the load how many hats does he wear or she Mm -hmm. all of them All right, Jay. Um, I know it gets me in trouble, but who cares? <laughs> I mean, what does it matter? Um, okay, yeah, guy went out of business from insurance. Uh, let's do this one. Operating a CMV through non-active construction or work zones. If you contact Brian on air at yourdotguy.com, uh, get ready to read a book. In summation, what was happening here, Brian? I'm not sure because it was such a... <laughs> it was such a long time ago. Uh, uh, no, it was oh. such an incomplete question. The, oh. the, the, the question was uh, about speeding in non-active work zones. Well, that's a state-level issue. Ev- there is no federal law on work zones. There are, there are state-level laws on work zones. Some... The work zone rules apply 24-7, even if there isn't a soul in sight. Others, it only applies when the lights are on and flashing on the signs. Others, only in the section of the work zone, you visibly see a worker. So I can't give a simple answer to that one. You caught me typing. uh, I was typing. uh... Well, here, I'll I'll continue. continue No, you're you're good. Let's go to the next slide. Okay. We're almost near the end of the show. Safety group calls for 60 mile an hour speed limiters on trucks. Take it away. Oh, uh, well, on behalf of the Towing and Recovery Association of America, we filed comments that I authored in opposition of this the other day. And there's 15 or 16,000 similar comments in opposition. Speed limiters have been uh, a topic for years. This particular uh, supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking uh, picks up from 2016 when FMCSA and uh, uh, NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, had proposed speed limiters on large commercial vehicles. And this is kind of a misleading headline because they have not declared a speed yet. But looking back to 19 uh, or 2016, they had suggested 60, 65, or 68 miles per hour for the speed. And that causes a huge problem with speed differential since we have 70 and 75 mile an hour speed limits in a large part of the country but it also poses unique hazards to pedestrian workers on the roadway we're all aware of the move over slow down laws in all 50 states but if we have a long wall of speed limited trucks all traveling the same speed nobody's going to be able to move over because the left lane is going to be full of cars passing them you won't have traffic spread out like we do now it's going to be like driving in rush hour everywhere and every day so this is a horrible proposal 
And as a do they professional not, driver, you should be fighting this. Do, do so. Do the I mean, how do the do the people? I mean, do they never drive? Do they not no, see? They're they're in their own utopian world of goal Who, zero, zero fatalities on the roadway, and this is the problem with academics. So weird. They they get so caught up in the concept that they don't realize it's not practical. There's a data, a couple of data points out there regarding speed and trucks and fatalities and crashes. And the problem is speed is a factor in many crashes, including most fatal crashes. What is not easily discernible from these statistics is that the large commercial vehicle usually was not the one speeding in the fatal crash, nor when speed was involved, were they actually exceeding the posted speed limit? But there's a catch-all box in the uniform tra- uh, crash report that is failed to reduce speed to avoid a collision. And that has been counted as speed-related when they create the statistics saying we need to slow trucks down. But the truck could have been doing 55 and a 65, but because they didn't stop in time, it was a speed-related crash. This will have almost zero effect. In fact, FMCSA's own data suggests that it will increase car and truck interactions and increase rear-end collisions where faster-moving cars rear-end slower-moving large commercial vehicles. So we're going to create more crashes. And anyone who's seen the pictures, rear-end collisions when a fast car drives under a slow truck are brutal. So this is a really bad proposal just from a couple of so-called safety groups that have their head wrapped up I mean, in academia they're nuts because i mean just the other day no kidding i'm going i had to look at my speedometer i'm going 75 in uh i think it was a 65 allegedly i mean cars are passing me on both sides nobody drives the speed limit mm-hmm the only time is if they see a cop. Everybody slams on the brakes and acts like a librarian. Otherwise, everybody's speeding. And you slow these trucks down, somebody is going to die. Absolutely. It's and nuts. I can't believe nobody knows it, this. If we're going to have speed limiters on vehicles, then... And this is an if. I do not want it because I still believe wholeheartedly that the best speed limiter is a competent, qualified, alert, well-trained driver, whether it's in a car or a truck. But if we're going to explore this concept of speed limiters, it needs to be applied unilaterally to every vehicle on the road from your Suzuki motorcycle and your Honda Civic and your Tesla to your Peterbilt 359 classic truck. And if we look to Europe, the EU just released a motor vehicle safety standard that requires all new vehicles manufactured, I believe, from 24 on to have adaptive speed control that is based on the speed limit for the stretch of road the vehicle is on. And they all will not be able to exceed the speed limit for that stretch of road. I'm waiting to see how that plays out. Let's let them be the test case. But that is probably the only way to make speed limiters work without 
increasing dangerous interactions between vehicles is by having every vehicle on the roadway subject to the same limitations. You get those trucks with their on the governor on I-80 headed uphill, mm-hmm. and you'll be there all day. Yep. And you'll blow a gasket, and then you'll kill somebody. Well, and exactly. We call that in, safety. <laughs> in our comments at TRAA on this, we pointed to a study that says they're will likely be an increase in road rage. We're expecting to see more people passing on the shoulder. And with an impenetrable wall of large commercial vehicles, you will not be able to see that there's a hazard on the shoulder, such as a tow truck driver or a family broke down with a flat tire. And Murphy's Law says that's when someone's going to use the right shoulder or the left shoulder to pass a slow-moving truck, and they're going to slam into somebody. That's absolutely true, because it's when you can see it. When people get frustrated, they do not care who's on the side of the road. Correct. They don't. No. And you'll never find that comment on Facebook, but I understand, Jay. It's a little sensitive. Don't be such a snowflake. Uh, what else we got here? Okay, we're going to finish with AB5. <laughs> so my, um, my, my favorite piece of legislation. I mean, we talked about how dumb it is. Well, you take it away, Brian. Yes. For those of you that have been hiding under a rock for several years, this is an attack on the independent business person, the gig worker, if you will. And it affects more than just trucking, but since we're a a trucking-focused show, at least this segment of the show is, we'll talk about the trucking aspects. But for the rest of you in the motor vehicle, automotive supply chain uh, system, this affects your ability at a dealership to use the quote old man squad to drive your cars around on your dealer plate because most of us pay them as contractors or to possibly use a contract detailing service if you also have in-house detailers and on and on and on so there's more to this than trucking but trucking we're already seeing the effects of it with the uncertainty of how California is going to enforce this now that the injunction against them enforcing it has been lifted and the Supreme Court declined hearing the case. So it's over for now. Now it's going to take legislative uh, intervention to fix this. The truckers started out with a peaceful protest in uh, Los Angeles and Long Beach, and now they're up in Oakland and they've shut the port down because there's 70,000 owner operators in the state of California that had five days to cease and desist operations, some operations that have been in business 20, 30 years or even were generational operations from father to son because they don't fit neatly into the three-prong ABC test that California picked because the B-prong says you can't be engaged in a substantially similar business to who you're contracting with. And where do most of us that own trucks get our work from? Other trucking companies. Most owner-operators are leased on, and I'm not talking about the predatory lease purchase programs, but you own your truck and then you use another trucking company's operating authority. Well, California says that that makes you an employee and you can't do that anymore. And There have been uh, a group of Republican uh, U.S. uh, senators that have sent a letter to the uh, U.S. uh, senators and representatives from California have sent a letter to Governor Gavin Newsom, as well as several others uh, from throughout the country, because this is affecting the supply chain all across the U.S. And this might be something that the federal government needs to intervene in and remind California that they cannot interact unilaterally laws and regulations that affect interstate commerce, 
that might be tricky to challenge in court because this same Supreme Court this uh, session shot down a federal aviation problem that is allowing California labor rules to apply to Alaska Airlines employees, causing an interruption to the schedule for meal and rest breaks. And for trucking, they've been told that they can only do that to California residents. Again, this is where California needs to be reined in and reminded they cannot interfere with interstate commerce. And I'm ranting on this one, but this one really gets under my skin because it attacks (laughs) my way of life. I've been an independent most of my life. What's interesting is I actually have hands-on California experience. I know you do. I'm sorry. Well, that me too. That's the thing. So I'm not from California, but I lived there a significant time. And, um, you know, I'm in Kansas City and people are like, where are you from? And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, well, I still identify with California some of the time. You know, I got the ponytail. The, the ponytail and gives it away. Yeah, I mean, and I like, there's things I like about California. But man, when they mess up, they mess up big. Yes, they do. And I, I, I lived it's in crazy. California for I mean, three they months. They just destroy that state. They just love to destroy such a beautiful state. It's wild. And our current administration, without getting too political, is trying real hard to make America California. We have way too many cabinet officials that are is, former California and politicians. This is, and this is where, so like politically, I'm always unhappy. I mean, I like it when I see 10 candidates in the primary. Because that means sure. they feel like I do. Like, what the f are we doing? And yeah, we got some choice. I don't, what did we choose? Who are they going to yeah. wheel out next year? You know, I mean, it's like it's the same crappy group. Yeah, with with, with regard both to eighty five. By the way, both yes. sides just suck immensely. It's so a- bad. Abso- absolutely. God. But, but with, with regards to AB5, be very careful entering into any business deals in or through the state of California well, right now. And that's we what, don't know how it's going to be enforced. That's what really sucks is we're not just talking about a political figure a thousand miles away. Although, you know, stuff like Roe v. Wade really hits home no matter who you are. But, um, yeah, if you can't do business in a, in a fashion that you want to do business... What is freedom? Yeah, and, and and California is the fifth largest economy globally, uh, standalone. And California can cripple the United States if we can't get our products through and, their ports in and, and out. Because mm-hmm. one lady has a nephew somewhere that got mistreated. I mean, really, what? Ha- how did this happen? And you know it's a bad piece of legislation Crazy. when they have carve-outs for all sorts of other individual occupations. If you've got to carve exactly. out hundreds of occupations, something is wrong. Right, exactly. I agree with you 100%. Right. It's kind of like gerrymandering. When you yes. got when you got to cut the map up to look like, you know, paper dolls and that's how you get your contingent, you're, you're, you got yes, a problem. You're... Yeah, and they gerrymandered the heck out of this law. Boy, you sure get more than you paid for when you join uh, an ATI show. Sure. <laughs> and I, I could talk about this stuff forever, but I don't want to yeah, today. Yeah, I, I know, right? I take your lunch, I destroy it, and I send you back out on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's not just you. It's 
you know, all three of us that are here right now. So, um, listen, I, I love to joke about the views because I tell you, Brian, here's what I've learned. This is what makes no sense. The views here are awful. Everybody seems to know about ATI now. Mm-hmm. How? I, I don't get it. And I don't know. I honestly don't I, know. I, I would love to try or track what the downloads are on the podcast version of this. Cause maybe the audience listens to it instead of watching it because maybe. they, uh, they, uh-huh. they're driving and may, maybe you're doing so well that we're starting to get censored. <laughs> that, well, <laughs> but, that's what I'm wondering, but people know about you on ATI. We get emails, yes. we get comments. I don't know what's going on, but man, I appreciate you. Um, do we and, have any questions yeah. in the live chat from all three email people? Brian? Right. Oh, do we have any questions? Uh, no, nah, not really. It was more of a hello show and what's going on. And Kiri said safety, safety, safety. I mean, I appreciate you. Sergio, Kiri, Devin. Devin says he's headed south on I-95 and he wants to pick up those two cars for 1200 bucks or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't watch anymore. <laughs> right. Devin's out of here. Um, um, all right, well, so th- thank you, everybody. Yeah, and, thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you back in August. I got the rest of the month off. This is actually my last show in July, I think. Uh, I'm gonna all be right. I'm gonna be in Iowa next week. So California, uh, California guy goes to Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's pretty cool. I, 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 I'm I'm from the Midwest. I know the Midwest. I like the Midwest. And believe me, sitting in traffic in California. Makes you want to go back to the Midwest. Oh, yes. I, I love when I get out and run through Iowa and Kansas Amen. and stuff like that. It's I'll, I'll get on the two-lane road, and it's such a pleasurable drive. It's great. It's it, great. It, yeah, it, it is. is. So, and the uh, outdoor. You know, and you know what's really interesting? Because I went to Wyoming. I've been to Wyoming a couple times. When the sky takes up most of your field of vision, it yes. changes your whole perspective. Yes, it does. It's, it's therapy amazing. for me to get out there. Yeah. Go get some sky, everybody. Yes. Yeah. All I'll right, see cool. you in two weeks, Jay. Thanks so much, man. Take care. All right, see ya. Peace. Peace out, Brian. And thank you, everybody, for watching ATI. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon.